It's my privilege. I get to introduce somebody to you guys this morning. He actually spoke for us last night at conference, and uh, he's been a missionary in Sri Lanka. He leads, uh, he's the director for Youth of the Nations in Dallas. Uh, he travels all over the world in ministry. Phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Every time I talk to him, I'm always getting off the phone encouraged, inspired. Uh, I'm so privileged to be able to call him a mentor and a friend. Give it up for Pastor Chris Estrada. Wow, what an honor it is to be here and uh, I've, I've actually come to Relentless the last two, this is my third year, and, uh, but have never stayed over or had the chance to stay over uh, uh, for Sunday. And uh, I just know this is a phenomenal church. Come on, do you believe that? I, I just, I can tell you God is doing some great things. There's this health and life that's flowing through this church, and I think that's a pure reflection of your leadership in this church, take, take it from someone, I said this to students last night, but take it from someone who, who has the opportunity to be in front of a lot of people and in a lot of churches and a lot of conferences, take it from someone, let me just tell you, you are spoiled up in this church right here with this kind of worship. I mean, she can sing and she can cook. I don't know if you knew that, but she had me tripping on crackers. She made crackers she made last night. And, uh, but the leadership too, I mean, come on, you do love pastors Lawrence and Tracy. Can you thank God? For them and all the whole team here, uh, Pastor Chris, pastors Chris and Jana don't, have done an amazing job at reaching and impacting and raising young leaders. And uh, such an honor, really, for us to be in your life. And uh, I consider it the same, just a strong friendship and seeing God begin to use you guys the way he has. And, and uh, I wish I was tall, as he, at least as Jana, but... I'm Hispanic, and so that's genetically not going to happen. But I'm going to pray it in faith. In Jesus' name, God, stretch me overnight. But um, I'm so excited because uh, I got to be, it's extra special for me. My wife was going to originally fly in and join us, but you know, we had some storms come through. For Texans, that's like crazy for y'all. You were on your roof watching the storms pass by. Um, you know, welcome to Oklahoma. Um, but. Uh, my wife wasn't going to be able to make it, but uh, we had some friends that are in a part of a mentorship program. We do drive her through the night, and she got in at 2.30, so she's going to be here with me in the second service, but she told me to tell you guys hi. She would have been here in the first, uh, but she told me to tell you hi, but I realize this is my first time here, so let me kind of just give you my story so you can understand where I'm coming from. I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Does anybody know where El Paso's at? Yeah, on the board. Okay, man, there's more people in Oklahoma that know where El Paso's at than some parts of Texas. That's, we gotta, we gotta do better. We gotta do better. So um, I, I grew up right on the border, and you know, I, there were neighborhoods I grew up in that were great, and there were some that were not so great. And it wasn't long, by the age of 12, I had a drug issue, had a drug problem, had an anger issue, and I had a lust problem. But I love to play basketball. Does anybody love to hoop in here? Or at one time you didn't like to play ball in here? And so I would go to a church just like this and, uh, and because they had a basketball gym and I would end up in the gym and I would be playing. And, uh, and, and the youth pastor was just amazing, just like Pastor Chris, got involved in my life and started inviting me to church. And I would never come. After they, they would open up the gym before service, and when service would start, they would shut it down uh, and ask everybody to come to service. Well, I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor one day comes up to me and says, hey, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, well, is there going to be hot girls there? I'm a six-year-old little pervert at this time, okay? I have no idea what I'm saying. And, and he, he, said, uh, he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. Hey, I'm going to go to church camp. <laughs> what I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, 
I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night. It was a game-changing night for me. I remember I came back and I just was so focused. I knew that I needed to go and get trained for what God had called me to, what I was built for. And so in my opinion, I went to the best Bible college on the planet, Christ for the Nations Institute, which we've had your pastor there speaking into our students before. And uh, he's come into my class and spoken there. It's just been amazing. Uh, and so I went to school there. And, uh, and, and then uh, I get this amazing opportunity through some God connections and, a, and an amount of favor I've never had before up to this point in my life. But I ended up in the internet sales uh, portion for luxury cars. And I was a glorified car salesman, but I sold cars for like Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Maserati, Land Rover, every luxury car company we represented except Lamborghini. So by the age of 21 and 22, my wife and I made financial goals that most people retire at. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. I'm telling you right now. And, and I, I remember just God's favor and faithfulness coming on our life. And so we were able to live debt free and had all kinds of freedom. But it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're not in the will of God, you're going to be miserable. No matter how successful you are, no matter how big you get, no matter what you drive, what you live in, you'll be miserable. And knowing that this was only meant to produce a certain season in our life, God comes to us and says, son, I need you to activate that call of ministry on your life, and I need you to move to Sri Lanka. Now, how many of you know where Sri Lanka's at? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, same amount of people. That's pretty good. Geography's really good in this church. Uh, Sri Lanka, for those of you who don't know, is about 40 miles south of India. And this was in the middle of a 25-year civil war. So when we moved over there, it was intense. I mean, I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from where we lived. I remember suicide bombers bombing the hotels we would stay in. I remember being shot at. I remember being behind enemy lines. Come on, it's a great vacation spot <laughs> if you ever want to go. Um, but but uh, I can tell you, God was raising up his church, and we were seeing daily salvations, signs, wonders, healings, miracles. I'm telling breakthrough. And this was in a Buddhist country. And today, this church is now five campuses strong. One of those campuses is in a state federal prison. It's amazing what God is doing in this small Buddhist country. And from then forward, we, that point forward, we would move to, back to the States and, uh, and we would take over a student ministry and we just had this sweeping revival come through our young people. I, I, loved, I, I loved it because our, our, we, Eric and I, our, our, our mission statement for our life is, is to release courage and power to risk takers and dreamers who want divine turnarounds. And so we just started seeing this risk-taking attitude come on our young people. And they would, I'm telling you, they would prophesy in the mall like they would in church. They would pray for healing like they, uh, in church like they would, and they would go out uh, to a gas station or to a restaurant. I li listen, I love this generation because they're fearless and they're tenacious in everything that God puts in their heart. They're just so focused. You almost can't talk them out of it. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing what God's doing. But I'm, they were just radical and they would just go for it every time. I literally watched a kid cast demons out of his friend and order from McDonald's at the same time. The same time. It, I promise you it was something like this. It's kind of funny. It was something like, listen, I want a Big Mac with some cheese. Let him go, devil, right now. You shut your mouth. I want extra salt in the fries. I've been stingy with the salt. Stop doing that. All right, I paid for the salt. Shut your mouth. Loose them. Loose them now. And, and a strawberry shake. That's exactly how that went. I had a French fry hanging out my mouth like, but I would rather pastor that than some lazy, over-church, lethargic youth ministry that got used to a service 
It was phenomenal. And then I would get the honor that I have now and I got a call from Christ for the Nations Institute and they asked, would you come and raise up that kind of leader on our campus? And so my wife and I have been there for eight years. It's been a phenomenal ride. We've just stepped into a big faith moment uh, as we are now, now overseeing YFN and being asked to go around the world and carry this message of risk-taking and power and courage everywhere we go. But here's the cool thing. Check this out. This is full circle God right here. Is the same camp that I got saved at is now the same camp that I help oversee and steward, which is the same camp that you send your students to in the summer. Come on, isn't God good? He's, he's got a big, big plan. My wife and I, we've been married for 13 years. We have four kids. Come on, that's Hispanic right there. We, we just big family, multiply like rabbits. All right, we just, we, we, we have four kids. The fourth one was a surprise. You ever had one of those? That's awesome. Um, one trip to Brazil, that's all that took. Uh, I'm telling you, she was going to come with me this year to Australia and I was going to make them book two rooms because you, you ain't going to get me this time. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but we've got four beautiful, beautiful babies and uh, 10, 8, 3, and 1. And, uh, and I'm just, she's, my wife is like the best Christian I know. It's sometimes defeating um, because she's just a phenomenal woman. And, uh, and, and just always encouraging. And, and I, uh, I can't wait for some of you, maybe you'll meet her in the second service. But are you ready for the word this morning? Now, I, I, I know that this church, you love the word. I know you get a good, well-balanced diet of the word up in this church. I know you've got a lot of things, but I believe that the word deserves a response. Are you with me? I, I need you talking back to me. I, I, I think the word of God should have home field advantage. Are you with me? I love playing sports. I love playing in my home field because I had the most crowd support. Well, I think the word should have the most crowd support in church. Are you with me? Not your issues, not your problems, not the brokenness, not the, not, not the things that are going wrong. I'm talking about the word and responding to the word. Do you realize it's the environment that unlocks the seed? And so let's give God a good environment. Can you do that? Somebody say yes. Yeah. Say, come on, somebody. Yeah. Say, come some on, somebody. Yeah, spell it, spell it, spell it, yeah, exactly, all right. I don't care what you say, you can say walk the dog, bishop. You can say kick the cat, I don't care what you say, just talk back to me. Can you do that? Somebody say yes. yes. All right, all right. Listen, I want you to turn on your Bible. Yes, turn it on. <laughs> turn on your Bible, I don't know what generation I'm talking to. All right, turn on your Bible. And I want you, we're going to read from two different locations, but we're going to mainly focus in Matthew, Matthew 24, um, Matthew 14. But we're going we're, we're gonna to read from one verse in Mark chapter 6. Now, I'm going to read about the same encounter, but two different locations, all right? The same encounter, but two different locations. Matthew 14 and Mark chapter 6. We're about to read uh, Jesus do something very unusual. He has just finished feeding the 5,000, which is a great miracle in, in and of itself. Uh, you could preach months off of the feeding of, five, uh, of the 5,000. But he is, after he comes out of this encounter, he does something that we have never seen him do to his disciples up to this point. And it's so unusual. How many of you have ever had God work? The old saying, he works in unusual ways. But many times that unusual way doesn't start out like we like it to start out. Are you with me? And so he does something intentionally here in Matthew 14. We're going to begin reading in verse 22, Matthew 14, verse 22. And then we're going to interject Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Remember, this is the same encounter, but two different locations. Matthew 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat 
and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Look up at me for just a second. I just want to make sure we're being hermeneutically, philosophically, theologically, absolutely 100% clear. Jesus makes them get in this boat. Is that what it says? He makes them get in this boat and I'm going to send the multitudes away while you travel to the other side. There's, a, there's something that leaps in my heart when I read this passage. That, that something is God always has an other side to your pain. God always has an other side to the brokenness in your life or maybe the other side of the confusion or maybe the other side of your question. But here's what's interesting is you can't take everybody to the other side. Notice what he does. You're going to go to the other side and then God begins to whittle down the crowd. If you really want to go to the other side, you can't take everything with you. You can't take everybody with you. You have to learn to take only what he's putting you in with you to the other side. Are you seeing this? Now, it's important that you see this. Now, look at verse 23. And it says, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. What was in the middle of the sea? Come on, what was in the middle of the sea? The boat was in the middle of the sea. Remember that for a second. And it says, verse 25, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now here is where I want to interject Mark chapter 6 in verse 48. Remember, same encounter, two different locations. Mark chapter 6 verse 48 says, Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Now, you don't read that in Matthew 14. See, I, I love Mark because Mark has this supernatural ability of keeping it real. Matthew does not include this, but Mark is very intentional. Otherwise, he would never have written this. It says that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the sea while they were struggling. But in Mark chapter 6, it says he comes walking on the sea while they're straining and rowing. The wind was against them. There was so much trouble. And Jesus wasn't even planning on stopping for them. That, like... As an American, that bothers us. But watch this for a second. Let me jump back in to uh, Matthew verse 14, or chapter 14, look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for, for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let's pray for a moment. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you have given us access 
to some of these encounters that are on the other side of our risk-taking, on the other side of our confusion, Father. And I thank you for this church and this house and this family and this man and this woman, everyone that's under the sound of my voice. God, I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith, you are full of hope, you are full of peace, you are full of joy, you are full of power, and I come against every lie, every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every demonic harassment, and I break that right now in Jesus' name. God, I ask that you would begin to give next level access, that you would begin to begin destiny training inside of the hearts of your men and your women, your sons and your daughters. I come against you. Devil, I serve notice to you. You cannot have Dell City. You cannot have OKC. You cannot have families. You cannot have futures. All the sabotage and all the planning and all the plotting that you have been doing is now ceasing. And God, I'm asking for an explosion and an invasion and a holy interruption, God. I pray that today you would bring a holy uh, harassment on the enemies that are coming against us, God, and that you would strengthen the hearts, the minds, the thoughts, the spirits of every man and every woman, God. And by faith, we will possess everything that you are trying to accomplish on the earth in Jesus' name. And everyone shout it. Amen. 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 I'm calling this message kind of funny after what happened last night. It's kind of, I'm calling this message Born for the Storm. Born for the Storm. You know, I told you I have, uh, I have four kids, and uh, if you've ever met my daughter, Jasmine, uh, Jasmine is eight going on 40, okay? She is, uh, she's fearless in the things of God, and she, she uh, <laughs> Jasmine, she, she, she'll pray for anybody. She'll prophesy with everybody. She's done it on stages. She's done it all around the world. Uh, Jasmine just loves to minister, loves to serve. And I mean, but she's, she, but she's been doing this since she was, she could almost just after she could talk. And uh, I mean, she's eight years old, but she's like eight. She's like a pit bull with baby teeth in the spirit. Okay. And so uh, uh, Jasmine, it, she's so beautiful. And I remember at this particular time in the year, we always host a conference called the Voice of Healing at Christ for the Nations. And uh, my job is most of the time to MC the conference where uh, I would make sure everything's going right. But I also needed to make sure that we had our live stream. And many times we'll partner with Christian television stations and, and, uh, and they will live stream our conference around the world. So this particular year, we were partnering with Daystar. And I asked the founders of Daystar, I said, how many, how many homes is this going to go into? And they said, this is going to go into 700 million homes around the world. They said, that's a billion people. I mean, it's a great reach. God's going to do some great things. And he, and he did. It was phenomenal. But about day two into this conference, my daughter comes up to me and says, Dad, I miss you. And I said, baby, I miss you too. And then I had this idea. I said, why don't you come with me to this, uh, to this conference tonight and you get on TV with me. And then I want you to pray over people, and then we'll close out the conference together and, 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 and be on TV together. She's like, really? I said, yeah, absolutely. Why don't you come with me? So she's so excited. Now I stopped her, and I said, Jazz, now listen, this is 700 million homes. This is a billion people, all right? So we got to be on. We, we can't just think through it. There's no pause time. This is live television. This is 700 million homes, a billion people. I got it, Dad. I got it. So we're driving on the way up there, and I said, Jazz, I want you to start thinking about what God's speaking right now. Oh, I got it, Dad. Uh, listen, 700 million homes. One billion, billion with a B, billion people. And she said, I got it, Daddy, I got it. So I'm in the green room, I'm getting things up, uh, checked, and, and I said, Jazz, you good? You start praying through? I want you to stay focused. What, 700 million homes, a billion people. 
And she's, she's like, Dad, I got this. Like, she's so confident. Eight years, she was actually like six or seven. She's like, Dad, I got this. Dad, trust. <laughs> you know who you're talking to. I got this. So I, I remember I get into, we get into the studio, and Jasmine meets me there, uh, she, or beats me there. She's already standing on her ex right here like this, right? She's got an ex. She's already mic'd, and then I'm going to stand on my ex. Now, if you've ever seen or done live television, you know that you need to stay in the spot you're in because the lighting is set to a certain place so that if you move like this, it could change the lighting and ruin the shot. And so uh, J- Jasmine's standing on a stool, or I'm sorry, a box, so she could be shoulder level with me. And I walk in. I said, Jazz, you ready? It's exciting. I'm telling you, God's going to use you tonight. I can't wait to watch, and I can't can't wait to hear what he does. And I said, but listen, there's 700 million homes. There's a billion people. So I need you to get your thoughts together right now. What is God saying to you? She's like, I got it, dad. And she's sitting there. I got it, dad. I got, I got this. I got it, dad. And I, so I'm, then I hear the countdown, 90 seconds. And I'm like, Jazz, you focus. You ready? She's like, dad, I got this. I got, I'm totally got this. Uh, 60 seconds, one One billion people, 700 million homes. Are you ready? Around the world. Are you ready for this? Daddy, I'm telling you, I'm so focused right now. I feel like God's speaking. 30 seconds. Jazz, you ready? Dad, I can't do this. I can't can't do that. Dad, I don't want to do this. I really, I don't want to do this. I hear the producer going, what? I hear the director going, what do we do? I see the cameraman like, oh, this is going to be fun. Live television now, right? Dad, I don't want to do this. 20 seconds. I'm like, Jazz, listen, we're Estradas and we are not pansies. We are not passive. We are powerful. And God's going, we're not going, I'm not, you're not getting out of it. Daddy, please, please don't make me do it. 15 seconds. Dad, please don't make me do it. I I don't want to do this. Dad, I hate this. I'm scared of a billion people, Daddy. I said, stop, stop, no, you got this right here. Now, listen, I don't, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm worried out of my mind. Uh, and so 10 seconds, they start counting down. Five, four. And I'm like, hey, everybody, welcome to the Voice of Healing Conference. I'm telling you, it's been powerful this week, and God's continuing the move. And I have someone special with me. I have my daughter, Jasmine. Jasmine, hasn't been good. She's like, oh, my gosh, Dad, it's been amazing what God has been doing. I'm telling you, it's phenomenal. I said, Jazz, listen, I think you need to pray for some people. There's some people who need a touch from God. She goes, okay. She does this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command the peace of heaven to come on everybody and on every thought and on every part of their life. And I said, Wow, Jazz, that was powerful. She said, Dad, I really felt a release on that one. I really felt like God was doing something significant. I said, wow, that's incredible. Listen, guys, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow night. The cameras go off, and then Jazz was like, I can't believe you made me do that. (laughs) Like, as a parent, let's be honest, I I didn't know if I was a good parent or not at that time. Parents, let's be honest. Half the time, you don't know if you're helping them out or messing them up. You're going to find out on Oprah. (laughs) You don't know. I'm saying, I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I have to go and explain this to Erica. Like, what am I going to say? I made a champion out of her. Or like, hey, you're going to have to pray through some stuff because <laughs> this is get crazy. But what Jasmine had to learn is what I've had to learn constantly is what we maybe some of us are having to learn is that God would never put you in something that you cannot handle. He will not set you up to fail. He will stretch you and he will set you up to grow, but he would never set you up to fail. God only brings you to the battles you're ready to win. Let me put you like this. When, when the Israelites come out of Egypt, if you read it, it says they could have taken the shortest route, which was along the land of the Philistines, right? But at the sign of war, they would have turned their backs and gone back to Egypt. So God, knowing what Israel's ready for, does not take them the shortest route. He takes them the longest route because he will only bring you to the battles you're ready to win. What I'm here to tell you is some of you are born for the storm. You say, what does that look like? You're born for the impossible. Have you ever said about your life, why does this always happen to me? 
What, only me. The, the impossible, the unpredictable. I'm talking about the things that you did not plan on. Have you ever found, why would this only happen to me? Because you were born for it. You're not here to complain about it. You were built for this. You were developed for this. God's been chiseling at your life for this right here. You are born for the storm. I want to give you three things this morning, three things that'll tell you to be born for the storm. Number one, you need to walk where he walks. Walk where he walks. You know, what's amazing is the Egyptian hieroglyphic for impossible is a man walking on water. And here's Jesus doing the impossible. Now, I got to be honest with you. I'm excited that Jesus walks on water. I really am. I'm excited. I'm elated. Jesus walked on this water. Is that not what it says? Jesus just comes strolling on the water, right? Doesn't go around it. Walks right on the water. I'm excited about that. But there was someone else who walked on the water too. And that was Peter. Now, you have to understand, let me just give you Jewish culture for just a second. When a fisherman, when you had a fishing business back then, fishermen always looked at the sea as an enemy. Because if they, it determined whether they had a good business, if they were profitable or not. It determined if they could feed their families. It determined if they went hungry or they were well fed, if they went thirsty or they had plenty to drink. It determined a lot. So they were constantly at this battle with the ocean, with the sea. And when, when they see Jesus, they don't see Jesus as a fisherman. Jesus knows how to approach everyone in this room. When he sees, when Peter sees this, he does not see Jesus walking on the water. What Peter sees is Jesus is walking all over my enemy. Are you seeing this? Now this is, I'm telling you, I get excited. Jesus is walking all over his enemy. But here's another thing. Jesus tells him to get out of the boat and Peter starts to walk all over his enemy. I'm here to tell you that you can walk wherever he tells you to walk. He said every place your foot will tread will be yours. It'll be holy ground. It'll be claimed, marked, and somehow claimed for you. I'm telling you this morning, walk where he tells you to walk. You know, when you start stepping out in some things that, I'm talking about faith moments, big moments. I'm talking about when revival starts, you start having a personal revival and you just feel like the risk taking happens. It's always amazing the haters that come out. This is, it's like the Christian TMZ all of a sudden kicks up in your life. <laughs> Can you imagine poor Peter? Because many messages have been preached about this passage, about how Peter was drowning, about how Peter sank. It doesn't say Peter sank. It, the, the haters will say, yeah, Peter, you walked on the water, but you also sank too. That's not what it says. It says he began to sink. He wasn't sinking. He began to sink. All right. He wasn't drowned. This is a fisherman. You're telling me a fisherman doesn't know how to swim. Right. Are you following? He's grown up on the water. He wasn't drowning. He was sinking. He began to sink. Now, what's interesting, watch this, is a lot of people will come and tell you, well, you tried it, but it didn't work. No, no, no. That's the way of faith. I'm trying it, okay, I gotta stay focused. I'm trying it, no, I've gotta pray through this moment. I'm trying it, oh, I feel some opposition, no, I've gotta push back. This is the way of faith, right? But watch this, a lot of people will tell you, man, the, 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 especially haters, they will come out against you and they will talk about how you shouldn't be taking risks, how you shouldn't be doing the big things that you're planning, how you shouldn't dream that big, you're too far along in your life. Listen, the Bible says old men will dream dreams. That's impossible for old men because old men talk about the good old days. But the way God sees it is old men will dream new dreams. Are you with me? Young men will have visions. You will be asked for big steps of faith. This is interesting. Well, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, Peter, you walked on the water, but you also sank too. You began to sink too, right? 
But watch this. At least Peter could say, this is what you, I would say this if, it was, if I was Peter. Well, I may have begun to sink, but at least I was close enough to him that he could pull me up right out of that water. Where were you? Where were you? You were stuck in your boat of opinions. You were stuck in your boat of books. You were stuck in your boat of ideas, but never having the faith to take a risk and take courage and go after what God. Walk where he tells you to walk. Are, are you hearing me today? Come on, are you hearing me today? You know, let me tell you, Peter, can I say it like this? As a, 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 let me just say to us in our day, Peter needed to sink. We don't like preaching like this, but Peter needed to sink. You know, when you're walking on water, when things are going really good, it, most of the time, you're not living by faith. It's not, it, it, you, when everything's going right, you're not praying as much. This is the habit. I'm not saying it should be like this, but this is what normally happens. You, what grows when things are going right is not your faith, it's gratitude. God, I am so grateful that things are going right, that, I'm, I'm, that, that I see things lining up for me. God, there's a favor on my life. Gratitude is growing. But when you begin to sink, that is when faith needed to grow. Peter needed to sink. Why? Because God was trying to add the spiritual muscle to his life so he had spiritual gains to carry what God was putting on his life. Listen, the enemy loved to give you premature fulfillment because if he gave you premature fulfillment when you weren't ready and you didn't have the muscle to carry what God gives you, it will crush you. But God says, no, you need to sing. You need to feel this. And I need you to learn. Listen, you don't know if you have faith until you've been in a good fight. You don't know you have faith until you had to pray through a wall. Let's be honest. Can we just be some real people up in this church this morning? You don't know you need faith until you have to pray for one of your kids to get healed. You don't know you need faith until your marriage starts going south and you need, you need God to bring some healing. You don't know you need faith until your business starts taking risks. And you're God, if this doesn't work, if this works, I get to hire more people. If this doesn't work, I have to let everybody go. Let me tell you something. You don't know you have faith until you're in these kind of components. I'm here to tell you, walk where he tells you to walk. Let me give you the second thing. I'll give you the second thing this morning. If you're born for the storm, number one, walk where he tells you to walk. Number two, you need to learn to live in the middle. Learn to live in the middle. You, you know, we, we don't like the middle because we like starting because it's easy and we're excited and we've got all the momentum and we're passionate about it. But then we don't like, we like finishing because thank God it's finally over. Well, we don't like that middle part. We, we, we cannot stay in the middle. Here's, what, here's what's interesting about the middle is the reason why we hate the middle is because it's so unpredictable is you can't plan for the middle. When you're in the middle, in fact, when I, when I counsel people and they're in my office and they're saying, Pastor Chris, I'm in the middle of a problem. I'm in the middle of a storm, right? Here's what's interesting. We don't like this. I remember I've been in the middle of a couple of things. I remember one time I was in Guatemala and I was speaking at a conference and the next morning I was having breakfast at the pastor's house and they didn't tell me this uh, and I didn't even think to ask but this city was actually positioned and built along three uh, uh, earthquake fault lines in this city. So they were constantly having tremors, constantly shifts and all that kind of stuff. And so I remember I'm, I'm at breakfast one morning and, and I, I begin to see this table start to shake like this. Now, nobody else is, is responding or reacting to this, but I'm from Texas and I don't know what they do in Oklahoma, but they don't shake like that by themselves. There's normally some help, Right. But all of a sudden, it starts shaking like this. And then, and then it starts shaking, and the glasses start shaking like this. And then the chandeliers start shaking like this. And then I hear the cabinet doors start shaking like this. And nobody else is saying anything. Nobody else is freaking out. Nobody else is caring. Nobody else even wants to respond to it. Everybody else is just going on their life. I'm sitting at the table like, we fit to die. Things are moving. 
this is demons or it's an earthquake, we're fitting to die. And I, I remember, I, took, I don't know why, but to call my nurse, I grabbed a banana on the table. I don't know why a banana, but I grabbed a banana. I was like, a banana, well, great, a banana. <laughs> this doesn't move unless I want it to, you know. And I remember I'm peeling this banana, but then it starts shaking even more, and I'm trying to eat this banana, Pastor, and I can't get it in my mouth. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking like this, and I'm, I'm wearing most more of what I ate. I'm telling you, it's true. And then finally, it starts shaking. So I said, hey, does anybody else notice that we're having an earthquake right now? And they, they said, it's not even a big one. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, why, why was their response and my response totally different? Was because they had been through stuff before. This is what the middle teaches you. The middle teaches you, you have more in the tank. You have an extra gear you can drop into. You can call on the, in the, the middle is where you grow the most. The middle is where you get more, more wisdom. The middle is where you get more clarity. The wisdom is where you pick up all the testimonies and you pick up on the Lord's faithfulness or you pick up on the Lord's provision. It's in the middle. It's not when you start, Everyone, anyone can start. And not everybody finishes, but in the middle, the middle will determine whether you're ready for the next season or not. How you handle the middle determines if you get what God has for you next. You have to learn to live in the middle. Now, I, this is a familiar piece of passage, especially for those of us who've been in the church long enough. You've read this before. You, I've heard this scripture preached from just about every angle. You know, if everything could talk in the Bible, which is what to you as a, as a homiletic hermeneutic approach, you want to have everything has to have a voice. So if I'm looking at this text, uh, what is the storm saying? What is Jesus? I've heard everything. What are the disciples saying? What's the water saying? Was the fish, were there fish? What would the fish say about? I've heard everything. But what I have never heard is if the boat could talk, what would the boat say? If we could have boat talks this morning, I'm not talking about boat talks for all the plastic people. I'm talking about boat talk, all right? Boat talk, just so we're clear, write that down in your notes correctly, all right? If the boat could talk, what would it say? Let's have some boat talk this morning. The first thing I want to point to your attention, verse 24, it says, now the boat is in the middle of the sea. Is that what it says? Come on, talk to me. It says, now the boat is in the middle of the sea. Here's what's interesting is this sea is the Sea of Galilee. It is 13 miles long. It is eight miles wide. As they are crossing the width of it, they are now in the what? Middle. They are in the middle. No doubt there are people who are not experienced fishermen, who have never probably been on a boat, and they're saying, let's turn around, let's go back. This is why you can't bring everybody with you to the other side. Because when you start doing that and you start taking big steps of faith and it's outside of what God has for them and you start doing things, you will feel anchored, you will feel strangled, you will feel held back if you start taking people with you that should not be with you. You need to let God whittle your crowd. Now watch this. It says they're in the middle. Lord, we have to go back. If the boat could talk, the boat would say, listen, you're in the middle. You're in the middle. It would take the same amount of time the same amount of effort, the same amount of distance, the same amount of energy that it is to go forwards as it is to go backwards, why would you trade the future for familiar? I hope you're hearing me this morning. This is what the middle teaches you, is to keep going. You're in the middle. And it, let, let, let's just have some more boat talk. If the boat could talk, notice what this text says. If you look at the whole text, it says, now the boat was in the middle of the storm. It does not say the disciples were in the middle of the storm. Are you seeing this? Verse 24, 
the boat is in the middle of the storm. Here, here's what's interesting is I've heard people talk about the disciples were in this storm. The disciples were being watered on. The disciples were about to drown, all of this stuff. But that's not, here's my question. Who put them in this boat? Jesus. If the boat could talk, the boat would tell you, you need to trust what he puts you in. Because he did not put you in here to kill you. He did not put you in this to sabotage you. He did not put you in this to maim you or somehow prove to you that you're not worthy and you're not. No, he put you in it so that you could see his faithfulness and his goodness and his provision and his protection and his grace and his peace and his love and his joy cover you. You need to stay when he puts you in. I think a lot of times, hear me, I think a lot of times we jump ship too early. It, it, all it, listen, our Christianity cannot be that weak that all it takes is a little water and wind in our face and all of a sudden we give up. No, there's a stronger back. Listen, I'm telling you, God did not come to give you a wishbone. He came to give you a backbone. There is a, there's a stronger, there's a next level of faith in your life, a next level of strength that you've got to face opposition with. You know, I was saying this last night to the students, but one thing I have noticed is that especially in this generation of church, we have taught people many things. We have taught them how to serve. We have taught them how to pray. We've even taught them how to give. We're talking about millions, if not billions, of kingdom-funded ministries all over the planet. We have taught you to serve, uh, pray, give, but what we have not taught is how to fight. It's interesting to me. It's, it's, nobody knows how to put, nobody knows how to put up with opposition anymore. 1 Peter 4.12 says, don't think it's strange when strange things happen to you if it's only happening to you. For you were called to this with a purpose. I'm telling you, we, 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 the, where's the fight at again? I think we, we, we forget that God has put a fight on the inside. Of us. Where's your fight at? If you're, if you're going to walk where he tells you to walk, if you're going to learn to live in the middle, if you're born for the storm, you're going to have to learn that revival requires resistance training. And you're going to have to get really good at pushing back. I'm not saying you're going to have to struggle, but you will have to push back. Listen, I said this last night. He is the lamb, and we preach him like the lamb. He is a good lamb. He's the gentle shepherd. I mean, he's the good father. He is the lamb, but he's not just the lamb. He is the lamb and what? The lion. He is also a fighter, right? He is the Lord, a mighty warrior. The Lord is his name, Exodus 34, 14. Are you with me? He is, he fights for us. Listen, I think we have the best deal in town. He, if we will fight and engage the way God wants us to fight by worshiping him and staying focused, that's all you have to do is do this really well. If you can focus on him, then he'll take care of all this. Listen, we have the best covenant, the best deal. He takes care of all of my enemies. He heals all of my diseases. He gets rid of all of my weaknesses. And then he calls me mighty warrior. I'll take that all day. Let's have some more boat talk. You know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, been on a couple of cruises. And what I have learned is a couple of things. Number one is depending on the season that you sail in the cruise will determine the price you pay. I was just in Orlando and I was talking to some pastors. They're saying, oh, you need to, if you're going to go on a cruise, you need to go like uh, during October, November, but at the end of September. But as we have all seen in our country, that is also hurricane weather. But they say this, you get, watch this, you get a better package if you will set sail, if you don't mind taking the risk and sailing during stormy weather. Let me tell you, I think God's speaking to us. When we want everything smooth, when we want everything comfortable, we want everything easy, 
We want everything just put in its place and never taken out of its place. And God gets no interruptions whatsoever. You're going to pay a higher price because you're not used to the conditions and the storms that life will throw at you. And as soon as the wind starts blowing in your face, turn back and you're going to stay in familiar and never live in your future. But if you live by faith, I'm talking, come on, where are my risky weather people in this room who don't mind a little wind and don't mind a little water and don't mind a little waves and don't mind. If he told me to get in this boat, if he put me in this marriage, if he gave me these kids, if he gave me this job, if he put me in this church, I'm not leaving. I'm here to tell you, learn to live in the middle. Here's what's interesting, too, is they told me that the lower you stay in the boat, the less you feel. Do you remember in another storm, I believe it's Mark chapter four, um, in another storm, it says that Jesus is asleep while the other disciples are freaking out on the top of the boat and they have to go wake Jesus up, but he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. Are you seeing this? Anyone has a boat knows this. The lower you are, the less you are going to feel. Why is that? I think God is speaking to us a spiritual truth. I think there's a lot of people who are out trying to, or, or trying to outdo everyone next to them. They're trying to live on top of everybody. And then they start feeling too much of the storm of the, in the boat that they were put in. But if you will go lower, if you will humble yourself, if you will prostrate before the Lord, if you'll get before him, the, listen, the lower you go, the less you'll feel. Learn to live in the middle. Are you hearing me this morning? Is this making sense this morning? I think we, don't, we, we cannot go on without looking at Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. It says the wind was boisterous. It says the waves were tall. And then it says, and he would have passed them by. Now, if you're insecure and insensitive, uh, you would think that Jesus is somehow going to ignore his disciples in their struggle. But that's not what he's doing. That's absolutely not what he's doing. He's, he wasn't planning on passing by. This was the test. He said, you're going to go to the other side. I've given you my word. Live by faith off of the word I gave you. You'll get to the other side, but I never told you about the storm. But he comes walking, and it's not until Peter speaks up and says, Lord, if that's you, command me to come on the water with you. What would make a fisherman want to get out of a boat that they are so used to being secure in, walk on the waves that they hate because they're an enemy and be so close to Jesus is because he knows that's the best place to be. Let me, can I be honest with you? God has not changed his mind about you. God's not in love with the future version of you. He's in love with you right now. God, can I, I'm just helping somebody out this morning. God is not ignoring you. God is waiting on you. It wasn't until someone cried out, then God began to move. You remember when Moses sees a bush in the, uh, that's, con that's burning yet not consumed in the desert. Do you remember this? And it says, until Moses says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. It wasn't until God saw Moses turn aside. It says, then God spoke. He's not, I think a lot of times we think things are automatic. Not everything's automatic in the kingdom. Salvation, that's free. Right. Let me say it like this. We feel like there are things that we're not going to have to pay any cost for in the kingdom. Not everything's free. Salvation, that's free. Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. He's free. Right. Grace, that's free. But obedience, that'll cost you. Discipline, that'll cost you. A lifestyle of faith, learning to live in the middle, 
walking where he walks, staying in the boat, that will cost you. God is not ignoring you. He's waiting on, for you, to, on you to cry out. Let me, give you the next, let me give you the last thing. I'll close with this. If we are going to be born for the storm, number one, walk where he tells you to walk. Number two, learn to live in the middle. And number three, answer the invitation. Answer the invitation. Here's, here's what's interesting. In verse 28, it's, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come. So Peter walked out on the water. It says he walked on the water. Now, I believe in the literal meaning of the Bible. If it says God created the earth in six days and then he rested, he created the earth in six days and then he rested. I don't need science to tell me that. I can live by faith. Are, are you with me? I, there's nothing wrong with proving it because they've done it thousands of times, but the earth uh, was created in six days and then he rested, right? If it says a flood came on the earth and, 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 and Mo, uh, Noah had an ark and it went two by two and he had all the animals. Friend, there was a flood, there was an ark, there was a man named Noah, and there was, a bunch of, there was a bunch of life that was lost, but there was a life that was rescued and saved. If it says David walked on the battlefield and killed a giant, this man, uh, most people put him at about 10 to 12 feet high, big, 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 thick, strong like me. I mean, he was out on this battlefield. He, if it says that, then that happened. So if it says that Jesus is walking on the water and Peter walks on the water too, I believe they defied physics, science, and laws of gravity, and they started walking on the water. Are you with me? But I don't, I believe they walked on the water, but I don't believe they just walked on the water. I believe there was extra under Peter's feet. It was an invitation. When he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And Jesus says one word, come. And what Peter walked on wasn't just water. It was his word. Now, I want, listen, I love revival. Don't get me wrong. And, and the past week and a half at Christ for the Nation, man, we've just been having like, Days of just presence. It's been heavy. We're canceling classes. We're just crying and weeping. God's just been doing so much. And I, I want a revival of God visiting the church. I really do. I, I want outpourings. I, I remember when you went to church just to see what God was going to do that Sunday. Are you with me? I mean, there have been seasons and moments where the outpourings have happened and God's been moving. But I, I, I think we've had a revival in prayer and it, definitely a revival in worship. Uh, definitely a revival in church structure and impact and all that kind of stuff. But what I would want is a revival in the word. Don't give, I'm the supernatural guy. I'm the spirit led guy. Trust me, we're, we're that and then some, I promise you. But I think that the greatest weapon that we could have against the things that come, out, come against us in the middle is with the word. You're born for the storm, but you've got to learn to answer the invitation. Would you stand up with me this morning? I want you to notice what Jesus does not do, at least in Matthew 14 and Mark chapter 6. He does something different in Mark chapter 4. Remember, this was two different storms. But in Matthew 14, notice what Jesus does do. He's walking on the storm and he doesn't, watch this, he doesn't rebuke this storm. Did you notice this? This is a different storm. In Mark chapter 4, which is a different boat ride, a different situation, it's a different day, he gets up, he's woken up, and he rebukes that storm. And I really sense this morning that there are probably some of us that we are trying to rebuke storms that we're supposed to walk on, and we're trying to walk in storms that we're supposed to rebuke. 
And the only way you know the difference is if you learn to walk where he walks, you learn to live in the middle and you answer the invitation. The only way you get to walk through storms, the first step is to give your life to Jesus. It is to surrender your entire life to him, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is to give away, is to put away old ways and put away old things. And I wonder if there's anyone here today who's been hearing the voice within the voice and God's great love, God's great, great grace has been coming on your heart. But the truth of it is you're in need of a savior because you need mercy to access all the change that you need in your life. And, but you don't have it. You know church, but you don't know Jesus. If you're in this place, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just have a private moment with God. You say, Pastor Chris, I have never given my life to Jesus and I'm tired of these storms. It seems like a cycle going on in my life. I always got, once I get to this point in my life, something always breaks. I get to this point in my life, something always goes wrong. And you're just living in this pattern, this sin cycle, this, this failure uh, uh, pattern that's going on in your life. But you feel the love and the soothing of God's great mercy. And he's saying, son, daughter, you don't have to walk through storms by yourself. You don't have to go through the trials of this life. You don't have to live with that brokenness or that pain. You don't have to worry about this thing or that thing, your marriage, your children. If you will give your life to me, I can cause things to work together on your behalf but you have to surrender your life.